Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. This is Whiskey and Wonder episode 22. Hi, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy belated Valentine's Day since this will come out on Monday the 15th. Yeah, but today we're recording it and it is Valentine's Day. It is. You are all our Valentine. Absolutely. To y'all that celebrate this wonderful commercial holiday. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Tyler. I am Megan. And just because she's not on camera, we're going to let everybody know Fringe Shelby is a guest without a microphone today. She is just (laughs) eavesdropping in on the conversation. Hanging out. So hi, Fringe Shelby. She's waving. Can't see her. Nobody can see her on camera. She's right over there. All right. So let's just jump right into it today. Okay. We got lots to talk about. We got a lot to talk about, and then we got to learn something. We're going to learn something uh, interesting AF. Yeah. Normally, we try to keep uh, announcements fairly short, but this week, it's a big week. It is. We launched our website. Ah, finally. Um, so, whiskeyandwonder.com is live. It is. Um, you can go on there, check us out, see all our good, good stuff that I've been working on and Megan's been helping me with. Uh, we have stickers on sale on the website through PayPal. They are $3. Um, and that doesn't include shipping, but I think for stickers, we're just going to put them in an envelope. That's yeah. not really. Yeah, stickers. We don't really need no shipping big deal. for that. Uh, we are working on the glassware. We have had some pre-orders already. Uh, just want to remind everybody, they're $8 for one whiskey tumbler, $15 for two, $20 for three. And 25 for four. Those are all plus shipping. Um, send us an email if you are interested in pre ordering. Currently, the lead times as of three or four days ago was about 15 business days. So we should be getting those in about two weeks and then we can get them to you guys. Um, again, you will have to pay shipping in addition to the price that we just mentioned. But we are going to offer a pickup for those that know us in real life just to yep. save us our work on shipping and save y'all a cost on shipping um our patreon is live for donations at the moment yeah. uh, we don't have the tier system just because the bonus content is minimal right now um it's the two donation options are a dollar a month if you kind of like us and five dollars a month if you like us a lot so <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate anything you can uh donate to us we also have uh on the website on the homepage. there's a paypal donate button as well so yes you guys' donations keep us going yes they do help us to fund new equipment new products that sort of thing so make better content and in addition to there we go tyler's about to tell you guys something very important so please listen carefully y'all listen the lady just said so um, so on our website, under our sponsors page is our Amazon affiliates link. It is live and it is a picture of a whiskey gift set for dudes. Um, so the way this works is that you click on that link and it takes you to Amazon and it's going to take you to that whiskey set. You do not need to buy that set you to help us out. You do not need to buy that set to help us out. 
you can just, as long as you navigate and do your regular Amazon shopping through that page without leaving Amazon, we will get a portion of your total sales and it will come to us to help us out. Yes. So if you are shopping on Amazon, please visit whiskeyandwonder.com first, head over to our sponsors and click our Amazon affiliate link. And then from there, do your Amazon shopping. Absolutely. We've tested this with friend Shelby. Thank you, Shelby. And so far we've made $2.69. Yeah. Woo. Um, I also want to say, I want to disclose fully uh, that we see what uh, it is that you buy. So, you know, if you want to buy a bunch of toys and chains and whips and whatnot for your sex dungeons, you know, if you want to keep that private, maybe uh, don't go through our sponsor page. But, but we don't judge you. No, we're not. So I'm, I'm going to give you a round it. of applause if you're going to. Matter of fact. You do your sex dungeon. Anybody with a sex, jun- sex dungeon gets a round of applause from me. And uh, Consenting only. Well, sure. You know, that's a given. I would hope. But um, anyway, that's it for the announcements. We got right. through that pretty Yeah, that quickly. actually wasn't as painful so, and long as I thought it would be. All right. Well, then let's just go ahead and get on into it. All right. Opening the bottle. All right. So today we are going to be drinking a request whiskey. Um, This was requested by friend Leona, a.k.a. my mother, friend mom. Hi, mom. Uh, We are drinking Wild Turkey 101. Um, This is the first bourbon I ever put in my mouth. Ever. Let me let me tell you what Megan said earlier. <laughs> she goes, I hope uh what did what exactly did you something something to the effect of are we drinking the wild turkey today? Last time I had it, I hated it. I was seven. <laughs> Re- no shit. <laughs> Come on. So I have not touched wild turkey since I was seven because it was disgusting when I was seven. So Hopefully it's not disgusting anymore, <laughs> um, but we're going to find out. Uh, so Wild Turkey 101 is the flagship of Wild Tur- Turkey's brand. Wild Turkey is distilled at a very low proof in order to help embody all of the barrel flavors during aging. It comes out of the barrel at around 109 proof, necessitating only slight dilution before being bottled at 101 proof. This process helps produce a final product that, although not barrel-proof, is very close to what came right out of the barrel. Wild Turkey also uses the heaviest char, number four, aside from the rare use of even the heavier char, number five, on their barrels, which helps create the company's flavor profile and deep color. Wild Turkey Master Distiller Jimmy Russell is the longest-tenured active master distiller in the world. With 60 years experience. Impressive. I don't remember ever having Wild Turkey 101. Um, I might have drunkenly in college. But I don't remember that. Um, so I'm I'm trying to swirl it. I, I want to I break in here for a brief moment. We're going to have a baby mailbag here. Oh, um, we are? Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, um, no. Yeah, we are. Okay. So I forgot about this mailbag already. I just want to let everybody know this is, this is about what I pour. As you can see, if you're on YouTube, it's it's about one of my fingers, about my middle finger. Um, so we got an email from uh, friend Leona. Megan 
is embarrassed by this email. <laughs> uh, so she sends us an email real quick. It says, uh, hello again. Can you uh, let us know how to measure a finger? Am I using my index finger or middle finger? Someone with large hands could really have a larger glass full. Silly question, but I just poured a bit more than I think I should have, and it made me wonder. Uh, so to answer that question, it's pretty much whatever you want to do. I just go with my end, uh, my middle finger because that's just yeah. kind of how I grab the glass, and I don't sit here and measure it out like a measuring cup. I just kind of use it as a reference. Yeah, that's what so, I do as well. I don't just think there's any hard middle finger. Yeah, I don't think there's like a hard rule book on it. It's just kind of quick and dirty. Yeah. So I'm sure it's supposed to equal whatever a shot glass is or something. I yeah, but obviously everybody's finger is different. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's how you measure a finger. And that's what we're talking about when we say finger. It's one of Tyler's middle finger sizes of liquid. Yep. All right. So let's sniff this. Give it some so, good sniffings. Good news is it smells a lot better than I remember it being when I was seven. Um, it's another, in my opinion, a candy smelling whiskey. So it's really sweet, really caramely, I think. Um, you guys just saw me make a face on YouTube. It's just because it cleared my sinuses out. Oh, I'm not getting like any like alcohol at all. I'm are not you, getting a big amount of alcohol Are at you all. swirling it? Yeah, I'm swirling it. Yeah, I'm swirling it. I got a ton. Okay, well, you're wrong, so that's okay. I don't know, my nose burning, maybe. I, I'm scared. Is it to, really burning? Yeah, it's like about to bring a tear to my eye. It's burning so much. Like, I just swirled it really hard and inhaled, and I'm uh, fine. Well, I, so I have some nose issues that I'm, I'm actually going right. to have surgery on here at the beginning of March. Uh, so, and it, it is that side of my nose that's burning, so maybe that has something to do with it. Um, as far as flavors go, I'm struggling on this one. All I'm getting is burn. That's so weird. I'm not getting a burn at all. There's not a very bad burn smell to me at all. I don't get it if I um, don't swish it. I mean, even when I was swishing it, I didn't get it. And How are you swishing it? Like this. Okay. So you are, you're getting it good and yeah. open. Yeah. I mean, I thought so. Okay. I just got a little bit of vanilla on that. And like I said, it's very candy-y. Vanilla, caramel, maybe like some toffee. I, I feel like there's some kind of fruit in there. Mm. I don't want to say peach, but I don't. maybe like, I can't put my finger on the fruit, but I feel like there's a fruit in there. Maybe a, a, a turkey fruit? No, not a turkey fruit. Um. Uh, I don't know. I can't put it. Some kind of sweet root. All right. Well, I'm still only doing vanilla, caramel, toffee. So lots of sweet stuff. So let's see what we're supposed to be uh, smelling before we break into this. All right. The nose is a strong blend of toffee and caramel with, a, with hardly amount of alcohol scent present. Yeah, so no one else smells alcohol either. Spice and vanilla provide a nice base with additional layers of toasted oak and butterscotch. So yeah, it's a very sweet candy smell. I wouldn't say what I'm smelling is alcohol. It's just spice. Like it's clearing my sinuses out. Uh, it doesn't smell like alcohol. It just burns. 
strange. Strange. I also smell a little bit of um, dill. I think it might be. I think it might be because these glasses were in the dishwasher. Did you not wash them? I I wa- I think I washed them. I put them in the dishwasher and realized they were in the dishwasher about an hour before you got here. And so I washed them again. I hand washed them. So mm. you think you have contamination from last week? Maybe. Well, that's scary. Well, I eat here on the regular. Normally I wash my uh I run my dishwasher on the regular, but I eat lasagna this week, so <laughs> I made a lasagna, so I've been eating lasagna all week. Haven't had many dishes. I did a the lip smacking thing and I coughed in the mic, so I'm sorry guys. It's sour. Kind of. Yeah, it's got a sour aftertaste for me. Yeah. And a long burn. Yeah. On the tongue, it definitely burns for a while. Yeah. Um that sour really threw me off guard. I was not expecting that. Um it doesn't taste like I remember when I was seven, so again, that's good. Um but I need to I need to taste it again to I can I can taste some toffee and butterscotch flavors kind of in the middle the beginning to the middle Yeah, I'd say the middle is where I get like a vanilla sweet um the burn probably hits hard right at the beginning of the no right at the end of the beginning and it burns pretty hard until the beginning of the end so I, in addition to that little bit of a sour note at the end, I also got vanilla that time towards the end. If I take a small sip, I get butterscotch. Yeah, mine had to be small. If I took a large gulp, it just burns. Well, let's see what hmm. we're supposed to be tasting. Uh, the palate is going to be sweet. The palate is going to be sweet notes of vanilla, maple, and cinnamon that are nicely contrasted with oakiness, spice, and char. Like all of Wild Turkey's bourbons, the company does an excellent job of balancing flavors and keeping the sweet slash spice relationship in check. Wild Turkey is known for their high rye mash bill. And even in their budget bourbon, this flavor boldness is present. I definitely get the the spice. Yeah. Yeah, my um, lips are a little numb. They tingle a little bit. I've not let it go over my lips yet just because I'm kind of afraid of what that'll do. Um, with as much <laughs> okay. as it's burned and it's lingering like in the back of my throat after I swallow it, so... Yeah, it's definitely my my lips are a little numb yeah. from letting it run over my lips. Um, um, the finish is supposed to be a medium length biting finish, gives way to a slightly dry aftertaste. Spice, pepper, and oak dominate over the palate's sweeter notes. The alcohol taste is definitely more noticeable in the Wild Turkey 101 bourbon than the company's other brands. It might be too much for some drinkers, while others may revel in its boldness. Um, I can't say what I think yet. I'm going to have to sip on it as we continue through, uh, the episode and, uh, we'll give our final thoughts at the end, but I don't, 
I don't know just yet how I feel about this. All right. Well, I reckon on that note, uh, we're going to hop into mail time. Mail time. I said that when I went over the schedule, I moved it. Uh, Dude, I remember that now, but in the moment (laughs) I didn't. I was like, we didn't do the Wonder segment yet. No. Um, no, that's it, guys. We're just going to skip <laughs> the one. All right, week. bye. <laughs> um, so we got a couple uh, messages. Uh, first one was from, and I love this, how it's named. It is Dad Cross. <laughs> um, Hi, Dad. He sent us our first email that wasn't me testing uh, on the comments page of our or our contact us page from the website. And he said, he asked us to check the spelling of whiskey on the webpage. Uh, he said, it's uh, the webpage is way cool. He loves the show. And thanks for mentioning him by name. Uh, I hope when you guys get rich out of this program, you'll remember me. Uh, can you do a story or find any information on the defunct and removed baggage system they first installed at the Denver International Airport? Uh, or how electric vehicles are not feasible. I have heard that some manufacturers will not make internal combustion engines after about 2030. Approximately 6% of our energy comes from green sources. So even if the capacity is quadruple what it is now, it will be way short of being able to supply the needs. Transmission of that much electricity will cost tons of money for the infrastructure, not to mention how they're destroying the African deserts to get the lithium. Charging an electric vehicle on the fast charge harms the battery. Heat and cold are not batteries, friends. Okay, enough said. Keep up the research and rattle on. So the first thing I would like to address, and I think Megan has already got to you with this one, but depending on where you are in the world, whiskey is or is not spelled with an E-Y instead of just a Y. Um, I tried to honor, when I was making the website, I tried to honor the the Scotch, the Japanese, and the uh, Canadians all use... Uh, W-H-I-S-K-Y. Yep, there's no E. There is no E in, in America and... um, I'm sorry, Shelby. What are you pointing at? Oh, may, okay. Is yes. Maker's Mark Canadian? Huh. So anyway, in America and in Ireland, they do use the E. Uh, apparently, Maker's Mark does or does not use the E. I can't tell. But we do have the Maker's Mark 46 sitting on the table out of camera. So Megan is inspecting. It does not use the E. Huh. Which I didn't notice for some reason when we did Maker's Mark. Um, but it's brewed in Kentucky. So. Interesting. Um, They're wrong. Shame they on you, Maker's Mark. Absolutely. Well, I think it's like a finger thing. You do whatever makes you happy. Um. So as far as the. DIA part. I'm going to leave any sort of topic like that to Megan. Okay. And I will. That's very fascinating. Very interesting. Um, I might do DIA at some point in the future. Um, If you are very interested right now in DIA, uh, there is another podcast I'm going to send you guys to called Time Suck. Time Suck is hosted by Dan Cummins, who is a comedian. Um, One of his newer episodes was on the Denver International Airport. And he spends quite a bit of time talking about um, the defunct baggage system that destroyed baggage and all sorts of crazy stuff. 
um, as well as some of the other crazy theories about DIA. Um, and so. if you guys are longtime listeners, you've heard me slip up once or twice and refer to this as the suck. <laughs> that is the podcast I am referencing whenever <laughs> we, I say that. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, hey, he inspired us to make this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, cheers, Dan. Yeah, um, if you're listening, Dan, we love you. As, I met you once and I couldn't talk. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> met you yet, but I hope to one day. Um, uh, as for how electric vehicle, vehicles are not feasible, that is something that I will look into at some point. Um, I kind of, I took a couple classes in college, uh, being a geology major that just uh, the study of earth and a lot of that had to do with how we get our energies and the costs of each one, the pros and cons and so much. So I, I do have a little bit of background in that. So maybe I can research that one week and present something along with that. Um, in addition to Dad Cross's email, we got our first not our, our first stranger. Uh, yeah, an actual message. stranger yes, message. Us. Stranger. We didn't know that. Yes. Um, it's not Shelby or my parents. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with no. Shelby or Megan's parents reaching no. out. <laughs> not at all. But um, we got a stranger to say something about us. So if you're listening... You're now no longer the first, but please reach out to us. Email us at whiskeyandwonder at gmail.com. Oh, and I forgot to put this in the announcement part. If you go on the website, there's a uh, there's a uh, About Us page, or Who We Are is what it's called. And uh, on there, there are uh, links for individual emails. So uh, we each have an individual email uh, from the website that you can contact us if you want to talk bad about the other person privately. Yeah, the other one of us cannot see what goes into their personal emails. So. Exactly. Um, so as for this second message, uh, this comes off of the R podcasting, the Reddit R podcasting sub, uh, topic where I post weekly uh, when we put a new a new episode out, and someone called uh, Wild Nights Podcast, uh, shameless plug there, uh, sent us a little email message or email a chat message. And says, hey guys, I checked out your podcast from the weekly episode thread. I was trying to pick some that are out of the realm of things I'd normally listen to. And I just got to say, your voices are so soothing. I was going to comment on the thread, but I just needed you to hear it from me personally. I'm not a big whiskey drinker, tequila gal over here. And I felt like I could pour myself a glass of whiskey and just relax and listen. Was this the only podcast you both have ever done? Or did you guys do one before Whiskey and Wonder? Um, I, so I wrote back and answered the questions and whatnot, but I'll go ahead and answer them, answer them again here. Um, I've been a part of two previous podcasts, neither, uh, uh, the first one put a couple episodes out and I've taken them down and you'll never find them. Yep. Um, the (laughs) second was actually with Megan and, uh, I think I've referenced it on here. We, we started out, it was going to be a very similar concept, but scheduling was just a problem and equipment and the space and whatnot and we didn't have a niche yet yeah we didn't have our niche and we just kind of were rambling on about the history of baseball for five hour and a half long episodes <laughs> and we still hadn't got to 1950 or 1940 as i recall yeah uh but that's a long hard topic take the last week's episode on the nfl and multiply it by about five that's how much history baseball's got. Um, that we were able to cover. There's more than that. Yeah. We missed the 
entire like doping. Um, yeah, the steroid era. Yeah, and, the, we yeah. missed a lot. But anyway, Hank yeah, Aaron. Uh, that o- podcast also is gone. You'll never find it. Yep. So, act- um, actually, I think that one's still out there. Oh. I think, yeah. I, oh, well, if you guys look real hard, you might be able to find our original podcast. And Shelby's holding up a finger like, oh, I will. Uh, so that is, uh, those are two messages we got this week. I think we got a third one. Um, Shelby did pull it up. So yes, it still exists out there. You can oh find Lord. us. Good luck. Um, uh, Megan's mom, Leona sent us another message. Uh, Oh, I'm reading my reply to her. Uh, hope you're doing well. I wanted to, uh, she pre-ordered four glasses. Uh, she asked if we were going to sell a decanter. We are planning to, but currently the people who make our glasses don't have a good looking decanter option that I would want to sell to you guys. I don't think it's worthy of the whiskey and wonder. Agreed. Logo. So agreed. We are. Uh, she asked if we've thought about magnets as well. We have thought about magnets. We've thought about masks. We've thought about t-shirts. We've thought about coffee mugs and all sorts of stuff. We're looking into a ton of things. Um, so we will keep you posted on those. It's just a matter of time and money yep. at the moment. So If there is any merch you want to see, uh, email us and let us know. We'd be happy to add that to our list. Um, again, we're just a two-man crew, uh, two-human crew. So we're doing what we can. Um, she goes on to say uh, she would be willing to buy a t-shirt if we had some. And she loves the podcast and she loves Rise as well as Bourbon. Uh, she says, uh, you guys tend to go designer whiskeys. I was in, uh, watching The Kitchen on Food Network and they did an amazing cocktails, but mentioned uh, Canadian whiskey and that we, I'm assuming as Americans, love them. Uh and she asked us to find out why, so I have failed on that. I will get back to you <laughs> as to why. Um, she talks about uh, how her dad and Megan's grandma, her dad loved Seagram 7 and Canadian Club. And no, I'm sorry. And your grandmother loved Canadians Club or Canadian Club. Um, one of her first drinks was called a seven and seven. It was Seagram seven and seven up. She said to uh, let us know our thoughts. Uh, unfortunately, I ha- I don't even know where I can get seven up anymore. Food Lion? Do they still sell seven up? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll give that a try. Food Lion. All right. Also QT literally everywhere. Oh, well. All right. I just lived under a rock for a long time. You can tell Tyler doesn't drink soda very much. I drink one, two sodas, Coke Zero, Mountain Dew Zero. I don't change my ways. Um, also, one thing that came out of this was a potential new thing Megan's going to do. Yes. Um, so anyone who knows me on a more personal level... Um, knows that I love writing. Uh, one of the reasons why I got into the podcast is because I like writing and research and doing all that stuff so much. Um, so for the website, we're thinking of including a blog for me uh, that we would title Megan's Mediocre Musings. Um, and in there, it would be a smorgasbord of 
random blog things, uh, short stories, and occasionally the cocktail and cocktail review. So I'm thinking that's going to be something that will happen. Uh, we've yet to decide if that's going to be a Patreon um, members thing only or if it's going to be free to everyone. Um, that's a to-be-determined thing. Yep. Um, and it could even evolve further than that as far as the uh, mixed drink aspect. We might do a mixed drink of the week segment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it would be really... Especially since your mom was saying that uh, her dad and uh, your grandmother, you know, like to drink these things. I think it would be pretty cool for you to review them. Yeah. Since, you know, that's kind of your family's thing. Drinks. Yeah. So maybe that could spiral into something. Yeah. I like that. Um. Oh, no, that was me. Never mind. I, I saw something about embarrassing Megan, and I was like, oh, what did your mom say? Oh, no, I said something. <laughs> I said, uh, thanks for the email. Thanks for that. I hope you enjoyed our recent episode and embarrassing Megan. Uh, so it's hilarious for me to watch Megan when she's embarrassed by something. <laughs> One of her parents said she loves y'all. We love your comments. Don't stop sending them. Yes, don't stop sending them. Um I just wish Tyler's family listened so he could get embarrassed once in a while. Oof. Yeah, I keep I keep it a secret from my family. I keep <laughs> everybody at arm's length. All right. <laughs> On that note, where is my schedule? There it is. All right. Here we go. It's time. For the wonder segment. All right. So if you knew, so is that drop. Uh, yes. Shout out again to our voiceover actress, Mars. Um, she has been kind enough to provide us with two new voiceovers that have been turned into drops. So we have another new one coming later. Yes, we do. But I'm excited for it. Yes. Um, her voice is absolutely gorgeous. So thank you again, Mars. When we make it big, you're right there with us. Absolutely. That's a round of applause for Mars. Uh, at this point, her voice is just as much a part of Whiskey's Wonder as ours is. Yeah, so. definitely. All right. Let's hop into this topic. All right. Teach me. I am going to teach you today about an alien enigma on Earth. A what? An alien enigma on Earth. Okay. It is also called an octopus. Okay. All right. (laughs) I can live with that because I was, uh, I was trying to figure out if you meant a literal like alien enigma or if it was like, this is what it's called. No, no. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, octopuses, not octopi. It is octopuses, uh, are fascinating. And the reason why it's octopuses, I found this out doing research, is you can't put a Latin plural, which is the I, to a Greek-based word. Um, Octopus is from octo, which means eight, and pus, which means foot in ancient Greek. So if it's ancient Greek, it has to end is an S plural. If it's Latin, it ends in an I. So octopuses, not octopi. Octopi is wrong. Naturally, uh, I go to what origin is the word penis? <laughs> I, I didn't look that up for this podcast. I don't know. 
Something that you can Google. Somebody research that. Email me. Is it supposed to I'm be curious. peni? Or penises. <laughs> uh, welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. I am going to mention some of my um, sources today because there are a billion, million, gazillion articles and books and videos and documentaries on octopuses. Um, and if you are more interested in them after this, check out these things. Um, I spent hours upon hours upon hours of just reading about octopuses and not even taking notes because I just fell into them. Um, and at this point, uh, I can no longer eat um, octopus, which I used to have as sushi a lot. And now I will never eat octopus again. Um, and they're probably in, they might be my favorite animal. They're definitely in my top three. Um, but they're, they're pretty awesome. And I'm wearing octopus socks today for the occasion. Nice. <laughs> All right. So I read a book called The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. There is a 2020 documentary on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher that is fascinating and will make you cry. There, uh, I got information from the Marine Education Society, a society of Australia, which is mesa.edu, National Geographic, BBC Earth, NPR, Encyclopedia Britannica, Scientific American, Mental Floss, The Atlantic, and the Smithsonian Magazine. So lots and lots and lots of different sources that I have. I don't mean to interrupt, but did was that nay? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say I'm halfway through my finger already. I'm probably gonna end up having a little more. Okay. Octopuses are cephalopods. They're a class of mollusk. Mollusk is an order of octopoda. So way back when you guys were freshmen in high school, you probably took basic biology class and you learned about, you know, the um, domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Uh, and breaking that down into octopus, um, and it's called taxonomic rate, rank. Taxonomic rank. Um, their domain is Eukarya, Kingdom Animala, Phylum Mollusca, Class Cephalopoda, Order Octopoda, Family Octopodae, Genius Octopus, and then Species is where you get into the specific, like, great uh, giant Pacific octopus and such and such. So, mollusks are clams, mussels, scallops, cuttlefish, squid, snails, slugs, and of course, octopuses. So this amazing, brilliant creature is lumped in with some creatures that I would not say are amazing, brilliant creatures, but who knows? The smallest species of octopus is called the octopus wolfie, and it is 2.5 centimeter, centimeters in length and weighs less than a gram. So it's itty-bitty, tiny-liny. That's like that big. Yeah, it's tiny. The largest known species 
of an octopus is the Interoctopus dauphini, or the giant Pacific octopus. Adults average between 33 pounds and 14 feet in length. The largest recorded was 156.5 pounds and 30 feet uh, arm span in length. Now, mythology and everything talks about like giant octopuses and all of the crazy stuff. But as far as actual octopus, we have proof that live today. This very moment, as I'm speaking, is the giant Pacific octopus is the biggest we have alive right now that we know of. Now, where does that compare to a giant squid? So, this is kind of fun. So, you know, I do D&D, and I play D&D on uh, Saturdays, mm-hmm. and this, that's the day before we record our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I actually had my party face <laughs> a kraken. Of course. <laughs> I'm um, sure that was fun. It was almost a disaster. Um, almost. It almost always is with those guys. <laughs> that's true. Um, anyway, we got into a debate with, uh, a wizard in my party because he wanted to use levitate on the, uh, Kraken. Um, and it was a juvenile Kraken. It wasn't full grown. Um, but a Kraken as an adult weighs 4,000 pounds. Levitate can only lift 500. Ooh. What if eight (laughs) people use it together? (laughs) (laughs) this is this is why well it's not why i had to stop playing but i would do this regularly when i would play with you guys yep Uh, well (laughs) now i have to make up a rule on the spot because i'm the dm uh uh, so consider everything because i am gonna ask (laughs) so kraken are considerably larger than any known octopus species we have at the moment. Okay. And I know you said giant squid, but I'm going to interrupt you by saying the Kraken is supposed to be an octopus. Really? Yes. Okay. It was originally written and intended as an octopus. Well, so when I say giant squid, I'm not thinking Kraken. In my head, like uh, I know I've referenced it on here before. The Smithsonian's in Washington, D.C. If you've never been, they are amazing. Uh, I believe it's the one of natural history has a giant squid. Like a recovered giant squid. Hmm. And it's like 25, 30 feet long. It's a it's amazing to see. And um, I was just curious. It. Compared to that kind of. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Well, like I said, the largest recorded octopus was 30 foot um, arm span. So that's 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 a pretty big bowie. And it's so weird because the squid is like, it's in a straight line from head to like end of the tentacles. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what the arm length would be. I don't know if that's how they would measure that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a squid. I looked up octopus, not squid. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so octopus mythology dates back to 1900 BCE. So octopus have been fascinating us humans since humans have been around, basically. 
um, the Gorgon of Greek mythology is based off an octopus. Um, the Kraken, legendary sea creature and deadly D&D monster, was the main villain <laughs> of Jules Verne's classic 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Great book. Yes. And recently, um, it's depicted as a squid in like the movies and stuff, but Jules Verne wrote it as an octopus. It's supposed to be a giant octopus, not a giant squid. So, there's something you know now. Let's talk a little bit about the anatomy of an octopus. Because these things are weird. The only thing I know is that it's got eight tentacles, a beak, and a big sack that's kind of like its head. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're on the right uh, track. So that big sack thing you're calling, uh, it's called their mantle. Okay. Um, And it's it's not really their head as much as it's their body. It's where all of their organs are. Um, it's the bulbous structure that houses all the internal organs of the creature. And that's the thing that, you know, it's the octopus head. When you think of an octopus, the big, like, floppy thing. Mm -hmm. um, the crop is located within the mantle. It is a large sack where food is stored before being digested in the stomach. There is the poison sack, which is an organ that produces venom, which gets injected into prey through its beak. You mentioned its beak. The beak is an extremely hard mouthpiece for feeding that resembles a parrot's beak, but is retractable and made of chitin. So it's actually very rare for a human to see an octopus's beak because typically they have it hidden. They only bring it out when they're actually actively eating, feeding and biting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so typically when you look at octopus and you look at the underneath where the like legs are, you'll never see its beak because it doesn't have that out all the time. They have brain, gills, kidneys, and gonads, which are all pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to get into what those mean. They have a buccal mass, which is a bulb that houses the mouth and throat, or the beak. Um, the radula, which is a spiky tongue thing that they use to drill holes in shells, and the pharynx, which is their throat and esophagus. Their Funnel or siphon is the tubular opening at the sides of the octopus's head. Uh, it's used as a booster to like jet stream them through water. So it's when you're looking at an octopus, right where like its mantle connects with its uh, tentacles, there's like a, a thing that like opens and closes. That's its funnel. That's used mainly for movement. The. Uh... Like on Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, yeah, yes, those things. Thingies. Yeah. Yeah, those are fun. Like a little jet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. They have an ink sac, which is an ink producing gland that, when threatened, the octopus releases ink through the funnel into the water to aid escape. They have eight arms, also known as tentacles, uh, that are used for movement and grabbing stuff. And then they have suckers on each of the eight arms. These suckers are circular muscles on the... Uh, muscles. <laughs> God, that totally broke me out of everything. <laughs> well, 
All right, guys. I was on a roll, guys, too, man. She was doing so good. I was doing so good. And I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't resist. All right, so let's try that again. Suckers are <laughs> circular muscles on the underside of the arms used to grip things. They're the su- suction cups, and they can hold... Uh, 35 pounds on a single cup. So just a single like itty bitty suction cup can hold 35 pound weight. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're strong little things. Remind me never to arm wrestle an octopus. You would lose 100%. I'm sure. They can pull people all the way to the bottom. Easy. I'm not going to lie. I think I got that little fella that's like two centimeters. <laughs> I think I could get him. You might be able to get him. Yeah, that wolfie octopus. You, he might be gone. They have a regular heart that circulates blood through the entire animal. And then they have two brachial hearts, which are hearts that are specifically used to force blood into their gills. So they are a three-hearted creature. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know any creature had more than one heart. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, Time Lords have two hearts. Excuse me? (laughs) Time Lords? All all my geek friends will get that. Everyone else, just sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I'm not geeky enough. No, just Doctor Who thing. You would understand. Oh, yeah. I never got into Doctor Who, unfortunately. You're missing out. I couldn't get past the the fact that he changes all the time. Anyway. (laughs) No, we won't get into it. Yep. Octopuses stand apart from other invertebrae through much larger evolved nervous systems and greater cognitive complexity. The majority of neurons are found in the octopus's arms. Each arm can independently taste, touch, and will continue to function for several hours if severed from the octopus. So anytime an octopus is like putting their tentacle on something, they're tasting that thing. Um, Rather than just touching it, they're seeing whatever that thing tastes like. And they're learning what it is. So, anyone who's ever like been touched by an octopus, you've been tasted. That puts a whole new spin on tentacle porn. <laughs> I specifically included nothing in my notes on tentacle porn. Well, you should have known I was gonna go gonna go there. I should have. At least once I had to. Well, I was hoping if it wasn't in my notes, you wouldn't mention it. And I'm not even halfway through my notes and I've already failed. I'm sorry. Octopuses experience short and long-term memory. They have versions of sleep and probably dream. And they have the ability to recognize individual people and explore objects through play. Octopuses have two eyes that are typically like a pearlescent in color and they have hyphen shaped pupils, which as far as I could tell is like one of the only creatures, if not the only creature that has a hyphen uh, for a pupil. It's not circular. It's not like a slit, like a snake. Uh, it is it's a hyphen. Hor- it's horizontal, not yeah. vertical. Okay. Nope, it is a hyphen. Interesting. A dash. Uh, they're super cool looking. So because of the shape of their pupils, um, they view everything in a panorama. So rather than just seeing in front of them, they see all the way around and they can also move each eye independently like a chameleon can. 
so they can constantly have awareness of their entire surroundings. That's impressive. That's awesome. Sadly, they have short lifespans. They live fast and they die young. The giant Pacific octopus is the longest living species and it still only lives about three years. That includes in the captivity or in the wild. Both male and female octopuses mate once and then die shortly after mating. So you have sex one time, you did. No more. The end. That is incredible. That's something, and not to change the subject, but since Shelby's here, uh, drama. <laughs> not to spoil it, Shelby, I, I always Not to spoil it, Shelby, what are we going to learn? I, I always watch, uh, quote Futurama to Shelby, and she's trying to watch it and pick up on it, and there's an episode where there's a squid character, and he goes to his homeworld to breed, and he, re- he doesn't, he ends up not being able to breed and realizes all his peers that he was trying to breed with died afterwards. That's amazing that they got that fact right. The writers got the Futurama that. got a lot of their things like actual scientific facts. Yeah, because most of them are like doctors and it's a brilliant show. Yeah, brilliant I, ju- show. I just never realized that was one of them. Yep. Poor Zoidberg. Mind but... is blown. <laughs> um. So males. Um. They will mate and then swim away, and they typically die just shortly after there, no more than a few months later. Often it's sooner than that. Females end up starving themselves to death as they care for their eggs. And the timing is typically perfect for death. So right as their eggs hatch, they die. It's like their biology has it timed perfectly, so they live just long enough to take care of the eggs. And the eggs are hatched, and they're on their own, and they're like, I'm done. Peace out. Good luck. Evolution's a crazy thing, y'all. It is. Octopuses' camouflage is insanely advanced. They can change color and texture within a fraction of a second. So, chromatophores are the many thousand colored changing cells just below the surface of the skin that contain an elastic sac full of pigment. They work like tiny balloons where if you stretched a balloon, the dye fill, uh, a dye filled balloon, the color would gather in one spot um, and make the color appear brighter. They have thousands of these tiny little balloon like sacs under their skin that they can at will move and change the positioning of the color or of the, yeah, of the color of the pigment, and that'll change the color of their skin. They can blend almost seamlessly into any environment at all. Um, and I would highly recommend going to YouTube and just looking up octopus camouflage because they, they will literally change in the blink of, a lo- blink of an eye to the most absurd, crazy colors you can think of. Uh, they are fascinating. And you said the parents die yep. shortly after, so they just they just know that know that that's yep. amazing. Yep. So, um, papillae are the tiny protrusions on their skin that can change size at will. So they can be anything from small bumps to tall spikes, which makes them like have little like devil horns. It's pretty cute. Um, but the combination of the 
papillae and the chromatophores makes them nearly invisible uh, in their environment because they can match the texture of the rock they're sitting on as well as the color. You have to have a really, really, really good eye to spot an octopus. Um, there is an octopus called the Mimic Octopus, which is probably the greatest camouflage creature in the entire world that we know of um, that will change its color and texture, but it also will change its shape and the way they move to disguise itself as other species. So the Mimic Octopus can make them this, themselves look like uh, lionfish to avoid getting eaten because lionfish are poisonous. Um, it, they're again fascinating, amazing creatures. I don't want to jump ahead, so tell me if I am. What eats an octopus? So I actually don't know if I get into that. Um, humans eat octopuses. Well, yes. So some, um, some humans. Yeah, I was one of those humans. I have never been, nor will I. Ever I used be. to love uh, takoyaki, which is a, a Japanese like fried octopus ball. Now thinking about eating one makes me nauseous, so I can't do it anymore. Please don't do this about cows in the future <laughs> or pigs. I make too much barbecue that you eat. That's true. <laughs> I know you're not going to grill up an octopus, though. So no, I wouldn't. I don't. Um, I don't like fish. They're not a fish. Seafood. They're a mollusk. You're right. I don't like seafood. Whatever. Um. So humans are a big predator of the octopus, um, but sharks will also eat um, octopuses. Those are their big enemies, I guess. For whatever reason, in my mind, I didn't really think shark or, or human for that matter, but I, you know, that was kind of obvious. I was thinking like killer whales and I didn't figure like blue whales, but I figured killer whales, maybe, maybe like walruses or seals or something. But I think it's too cold. Um, I don't know if there is octopuses where killer whales in... Oh, no, I guess I've seen, I've been to Washington on the Puget Sound, and I've seen both killer whales in the Puget Sound and octopuses in the Puget Sound. So I guess maybe they are eaten. They probably wouldn't be very filling to a killer whale, though. Those are a big creature. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You, you've seen octopuses? In the Puget Sound, yes. I've seen uh, one that I can remember. I'm sure I've seen more than one at aquariums, but they've all been at aquariums. I've never seen yeah. one. Um, actually, that's not true. I, my parents had a, uh, they used to sell saltwater, like grow coral and mm -hmm. sell saltwater, uh, fish tank, like, what do you call it? Uh, decorations? No, the, the coral and, and all the little plants that. Fauna? Yeah. Whatever it's called. Fauna flora, it, whatever. It, yeah. If you know, let us know. <laughs> anyway, they used to breed coral and grow that sort of stuff. And he, my stepdad got one one time that had an octopus in it. And so it kept like eating his saltwater fish. <laughs> I mean, that's not funny, but that's funny. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> Tyler, where'd the fish go? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was, I was pretty young, so it wasn't so much that, but it's, <laughs> it was like, Hey, come here, check this out. There's an octopus in there. He's eating it. I got to get him out. I got to get rid of him. He's eating my fish. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, octopuses typically move with their arms. Um, 
And they'll sometimes pull themselves along surfaces with their suckers. Um, however, they can bolt off like a jet by utilizing their funnel to expel water and shoot them backwards at high speeds when alarmed. So they do have like an emergency, like back the fuck up button um, in case something's coming after them. I'm sure they probably combine that with the ink. They do. Zach. They eject ink from their funnel to make a smoke screen that aids in their escape. Some species ink is actually toxic and will paralyze the sensory organs of their attackers. So that's a thing that happens. Octopuses typically eat crabs and lobsters, um, but they'll also munch on other smaller mollusks like clams. So I mentioned their regula briefly um, before as part of their... Um, I'm kind of there. Oh, my God. Buckle mass. One call it brachial. That's not right. Buckle mass. Um, their redula is a spiky tongue-like appendage um, that they use to break into the shells of, like, clams and things that have meat inside them that they need to get out. And they have to calculate geometry in, able, in order to be able to break in the shells at the precise angle. Um, and they go more in-depth in this in the Netflix documentary, My Octopus Teacher. Um, but it is fascinating that octopuses have to do math to be able to figure out how to get into a shell. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Octopuses are individuals. They have their own personalities. Some are shy, some are outgoing, some are aggressive, and others are peaceful. They're just as unique as humans are. They all have their own tastes. They all have their own unique likes. You'll never meet two octopuses that are the same. They are typically very playful and are extremely to the point of being scarily intelligent. And I'll get to some examples of some of their intelligence in a little bit. But octopuses have been shown to use their surroundings to their advantage. So one of the coolest things you see in the documentary is um, this octopus is like getting hunted by a shark. And it picks up like all sorts of shells and rocks and stuff with its suckers and like rolls into a ball and makes an armor out of shells and shit to avoid getting eaten. That's sick. Right? It is so cool. So cool. Uh, so these like shields can be used to outwit uh, predators. Now the documentary goes even further than just showing this shield in that uh, the documentarian that's tracking this octopus watches it roll itself up with all the debris and become that armor against the shark. And then this brilliant octopus outwits the shark who's getting frustrated that it can't eat it by after it gets kind of like bumped a few times and the shark's getting really pissed. It can't grab onto it. This octopus outwits the shark by clinging onto the shark's back, the safest place it can be because the shark's mouth cannot reach its back. And it just, Rides it like horsey for a little while. 
It's that's on the Netflix documentary. It is. I. It is my week to research after this, and it's struggle. I'm a, I struggle to get TV time in, but I'm going to make time for that. It's worth it. It's only like an hour long. It's not a very long documentary, I'm and it make is time for it. It is fascinating. Absolutely love it. Highly recommend. Um, the oldest known octopus fossil dates back 296 million years ago during the Carboniferous period, which is just around the time that invertebrates and tetrapods began to live on land and long before dinosaurs would appear. So these creatures have been around in their cor- current form for millennia. Um, and they're already perfect in their evolution. They have so many unique characteristics that they haven't changed a whole lot from 300 million years to today because they're already amazing. That explains why evolution was so efficient it, earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, octopuses have blue blood and it's blue blood when they actually get cut. Um, where like our veins, it looks blue, but then you cut and it's red. Uh, their blood really is blue. And that's because because their blood is copper-based rather than iron-based, like our blood is. So copper is much more efficient at transporting oxygen in cold water um, and in water with sparse oxygen levels. But in, like, a condition to that, because of their copper-rich... Um, blood they're much more sensitive to water quality um if the ph in their environment lowers the acidity will make it so the animal can no longer circulate its own blood so um anyone who is looking to keep an octopus as a pet you have to be a very very experienced aquarium keeper to be able to keep your ph where it needs to be um otherwise your octopus will not live very long at all um and i'm going to talk a little bit about octopus in uh captivity and a little bit um and i up until i did this research like houston was like would you ever want an octopus for the pet i was like fuck yeah i would they're so cool doing this research i don't think i would wow i thought you were gonna say houston i'm getting an octopus for a no really no this is the equivalent of a five-year-old i hate children (laughs) (laughs) fair enough i I feel you on that one Um, so these things are way too smart and way too crazy to live in a tank um in my opinion but you know we can move on from there for now okay i i have a anecdotal story i would like to tell okay you uh, tell it whenever you get to your uh the intelligence part about the octopuses Mm. From somebody I used to work with. Okay. Um, we're getting pretty close. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead and tell it. Um, okay. So just to set the stage, this was a friend of mine. I was TA in a class in college, and he was the lead TA. He was a graduate student, or maybe he was a PhD student, I think. Um, and anyway, he was telling me he had studied under a professor who had two fish tanks two saltwater fish tanks in his office and um, one had an octopus in it and one had fish and he would like, you know, kept them separated because the octopus would eat the fish. He had found out. And the so, octopus figure out how to get into the other tank. Yeah. 
The yep. octopus. Not he, surprised yeah, at all. He 100% the octopus. He had to put a camera in to figure out why his fish kept going missing. The octopus would climb out of its tank, down, up into the other tank, <laughs> eat the fish, climb back out, and then go home. <laughs> they are amazing. Yes. Like, absolutely awe-inspiring creatures. Um, I have decided that I will be getting an octopus tattoo after doing this research. Yeah. So, I love them. Haven't decided where I'm going to get it. Um, but I definitely want an octopus somewhere on my body. Right here and then have like the tentacles oh, come over the forehead over and like down. I mean, if this podcast makes us millionaires, maybe. I mean, then I won't have to worry about getting hired anywhere. I have 100% seen a porn star with it on her ass. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but you know, if you uh, wanted to get, you know, your, your sex dungeon up and going and <laughs> your tentacle porn. Just, just yeah, your tentacle porn. Just don't do it uh, through our Amazon affiliate link. <laughs> we don't want to see what you buy. Or yeah, we do. We won't judge you. Remember? Yeah, that's right. You know, whatever. You do I don't you. Care. We like money that you provide us. So I'm, I'm gonna give you a cheers if I see it. Yes. And I'm gonna give you the uh, the applause button. Just for having no shame. Um. So starting to get into now the intelligence of the octopus, Jennifer Mather is a comparative psychologist from the University of Lethbridge. Leth- Lethbridge in Canada. She has been studying octopuses since 1972. They have been her life's work. Now, over the years of study, she has observed octopuses exploring with inquisitive minds and problem solving. She has also observed that octopuses will play, which is a sign of higher cognitive abilities. Um, octopuses have also been observed making shelters with coconut shells and half shells. They transport the shells by walking them along the ocean floor. So they'll hold them with their tentacles and then they'll use ten- two tentacles to walk along the floor. And this is a slow and awkward form of movement that has made scientists believe octopuses can determine risk versus reward. Because transporting the shells leaves them vulnerable for attack. It is not a safe thing for them to be doing. But after they have their shells, they'll offer greater protection in the future. So they actively make the decision, like, is it worth... Is it worth... Taking this risk. Taking this risk so that I might be more protected later. And... They're one of the few uh, creatures on Earth that do that. <laughs> so, for the awkward smiles, Navia is, we had the door shut, but not like latched shut. It was just closed and had about that much of a gap. Navia is actively trying to jailbreak. <laughs> she, I saw it open about that far, and then it closed again, and that was enough she could have got her nose in and jailbroke. Is your roommate here? I don't think I don't think he's here. No, well, she would probably be going to eat him. But yeah, who knows? But anyway, um, now this is a quote from Jennifer Mather. She says, "Quote: If you have an octopus in a new situation, the first thing it does is explore. Children will go from what does this object do to what can I do with this object." And that's what these octopus were doing. So this is based, she said this quote after a 1999 study 
where researchers offered octopuses empty pill bottles, regular pill bottles that would float in the water and bob around. The animals at first would like grab the pill bottle and like try to taste it and see if they could eat it and see if it was like edible. But when they realized the bottles weren't food, they began to play with them. Now they played with the bottles by using their funnels to blow jets of water at the bottles, which would send them tumbling to the other end of their tank. They would then catch on a current and come back to them. So they were playing boomerang with these pill bottles. That's awesome. I thought you were going to say they were like shooting them at one another. That would also be hysterical, but no. <laughs> um, they do shoot humans with water. We'll get into that in a little bit. Lovely. Yep. <laughs> Jennifer Mathers also observed that octopuses pass personality traits to their offspring, which has aided a lot in the nature versus nurture debate because, you know, once the babies are born, the parents are dead. Um, But she has seen that, you know, a typically shy octopus mother is going to typically have shy octopus babies. So... Another little interesting tidbit um, that this psychologist has seen uh, by observing these creatures. But now I'm going to get into why I decided to do this research at all in the first place. And I stumbled upon some interesting articles about some interesting octopuses, interesting specific octopuses. In 2016, in the New Zealand National Aquarium, an octopus named Inky made headlines across the world. And I remember when this happened and I remember thinking, oh, that's really cool. And then I kind of like just put it away and put it in the back of my brain for 2021 when I had a podcast and I could talk about it. That's impressive. What are tomorrow's (laughs) lotto numbers? Yeah, I don't know. I'll get back to you next year. Inky (laughs) is a male common New Zealand octopus that made a brave escape. In the dead of night, Inky escaped his enclosure through a small opening, slid across the floor of the aquarium into a narrow pipe, and he squeezed himself into it and traveled to the ocean. <laughs> this dude, he watched and observed for days to figure out how to open his tank. He figured out where the tubing went, where the uh, pulp pipe pipe thank you (laughs) he figured out where the pipes went and he made an escape into the ocean and he lived the rest of his days like he made it he got free he did a shawshank redemption he got out he crawled through i don't remember how that quote goes so many miles of shit (laughs) i can't remember either (laughs) um rob yarl is the manager at the national aquarium He stated that Inky had always been curious and liked to push boundaries with his handlers. The morning after his escape, staff discovered Inky's uh, Shawshank Redemption by following a wet trail he left behind. But Inky isn't the only or even the first aquarium octopus to make headlines. Let me tell you about my favorite octopus. An octopus named Otto. Otto was a six-month-old octopus in 2008 at Germany's Sea Star Aquarium that caused chaos and several hundred dollars worth of damage. 
So the uh, aquarium uh, is closed during the winter. They don't get any visitors. And six months old, he had never experienced winter before. Once people stopped showing up to the aquarium, something strange started happening. The staff would go there because they, you know, did their research to care of the animals and everything, but they he wouldn't get visitors. And one day, for three straight days, staff would enter the aquarium and nothing would be working. It was dark and silent because at some point in the middle of the night, the entire electrical system shorted out. My dog is trying to molest friend Shelby. Sorry, friend Shelby. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> she's <laughs> trying to get all up in that <clears throat> hi nay hi sweet girl you excited for some reason so for three straight days they were experiencing electrical failures at this huge aquarium the entire aquarium just lost power gone three days straight and during the day, they'd get everything fixed. They call electricians in and engineers, and everything would be up and running and ready to go. They'd all go home, come back the next morning, and everything's dead again. After the third straight day of this, the staff was concerned. And several staff decided to spend the night to try to figure out what the hell was the cause of these blackouts that are costing the aquarium hundreds of dollars every day. And that's when Otto was caught in the act. Busted. Yep. Now this octopus climbed the side of his tank in the middle of the night and aimed at the 2,000 watt spotlight overhead and shot a stream of water at it, successfully hitting it and short-circuiting the entire system. They figured out he was doing this because it caused a huge commotion. And he got a lot of visitors during the day with everyone coming in to fix all the electrical problems and such. That's awesome. So uh, they had to rig his tank so that he could no longer get out of it um, and cause more damage. But that did not stop Otto from being a chaotic, neutral gorgeous creature so when Otto would get bored he would just rearrange the tank just rearrange all the decoration and everything that's in there he didn't live alone in that tank that was a full tank <laughs> several other <laughs> sea life and he would just move shit and like no you're going over here now and you're going over here um, I feel like he probably grabbed several of the fish and other things that lived there and just said like, I, I, in my head, I picture a fish mid-swim, and he's just like, nope, you're over here now. <laughs> <laughs> and the fish is just sitting there like, where'd I go just now? Um, if he would be annoyed at any of his handlers or any of the people, like, looking in at him, he would take rocks and throw them at the glass. <laughs> and most hilarious, the reason why I fell in love with Otto in the first place is because, for fun... Otto would juggle hermit crabs in his tank. That's awesome. Full on juggle hermit crabs. This octopus juggled hermit crabs. 
that's all I need to know. The end. I'm in love. Done. Best creature ever. (gasps) (laughs) Deserved. (laughs) That's awesome. That is one hell of a funny octopus. Oh my gosh, right? Sounds like something from a cartoon and he lived. There is proof of him living. So that's a thing, Germany. Thanks. Um, there is a video on YouTube of a filmmaker and scuba diver named Victor Hong um, diving and trying to film a documentary with an octopus. But he was in for a surprise when the octopus he was recording stole his video camera and swam off with it, still recording. And you can find this video on YouTube of like the camera getting taken from him and then like going away. Um, he was able to recover it to get it back. Um, so he could upload the footage. But what um, scientists believe was happening was the octopus had this new like shiny thing in its environment. And I wanted to know what it was. So it took the shiny thing, went and tasted it, checked it out, made sure it wasn't anything dangerous, and then left it on the floor. Like, all right, you can be here. You have successfully convinced me that I want an octopus as long as I can put a lock on the latch to get in and out of the tank. They might figure out how to unlock it. There is the Ocean Exporium in Bedford, Massachusetts that has octopuses that will play with Legos. (laughs) Um, Using their funnels, octopuses all over the world are known to squirt water at people for fun. Um, there are several octopuses that uh, will like choose their favorite researcher that they're working with. And every morning they see them, they'll squirt them, but they won't squirt anyone else. And then they'll do the opposite as well, where they'll find the people they hate and only squirt those people. And it's, it's very, and their aim is freaking perfect. Like, pew, right in the face. How do you know which one you are? They're actually in the book, uh, The Soul of an Octopus. They uh, talk about that. They mention it. Um, and the researcher that what kept getting splashed ended up contacting the author of the book to explain how her and the octopus were actually really good friends. Like, they loved each other. And that's why she was constantly the target of his waterness. So, you know. Interesting. Um, octopuses will unscrew bottles and then rescrew them. So, uh, in one experiment, um, researchers put like some food in one of those like dog training balls that like screws together, and you have to figure out how to open it. Well, the octopus figured out how to unscrew it, got the food out, and then put it back together so that no one would know he got the food out of it. Impressive. There is an Aquarius named Kristen Simmons Maples that invented a painting easel at the Hatfield Marine Science Center in Oregon um, that has since been picked up and used by several aquariums around the world, including the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium in Tacoma, Washington, which allows octopuses to paint. So using PVC pipe and like different buttons, they can like squirt paint onto an easel and then they can make a brush move and they can squirt different paint, make a different brush move. It's 
so cool. Again, octopuses are amazing. Here's another octopus that caused several thousand dollars worth of damage. Um, and she actually ended up getting back released into the wild because she caused so much damage. She wasn't deemed uh, safe to have around anymore. Uh, and that was an octopus in the Santa Monica Pier uh, Aquarium. Disassembled a valve at the top of her tank and flooded 200 gallons of water into the exhibits and offices around her tank. Naughty girl. <laughs> mm. Um, there are so many more stories you can find online about these animals as well and the amazing things they do. And I could sit here and spend hours and hours and hours talking to you guys about them, but we don't have that kind of time. And it's something that you can fall into the rabbit hole on your own. Um, but today I wanted to learn you a little bit about octopuses and why they are some of the coolest things that live on this planet. That was awesome. Like I said, the main thing I learned today is that I want an octopus provided I can lock it inside its tank. <laughs> I feel like I'd wake up one morning and it'd be riding Bo. <laughs> I don't want to risk Bo. 100%. Like, it's amazing, these things. They're, watch the documentary. They do some amazing stuff. All right. So I realized halfway through, I did not do our social media blurb. Oh, oops. So I put that on the schedule. So we're going to do that real quick before we get into anything else. Catch us at whiskeyandwonder.com. You can find all our social media stuff there. Uh, you can find the podcast on Instagram at whiskey podcast. I'm at whiskey Tyler and she's at whiskey Megan. The rest of it you can find on the website. Oh, we're on YouTube. Whiskey and wonder is our name. And on that note, Trivia with Tyler. And there's our other new drop. Thank you, Mars. Thanks again, Mars. Yep. So I got a quick one today. And this is just the brilliance of Genghis Khan here. Oh, God. All right. What so, is this terrifying Tyler nugget? Genghis Khan would marry off a daughter to the king of an allied nation. And then he would assign his new son-in-law to military duty during the Mongol Wars while his daughter took over ruling. Most son-in-laws died in combat. That gave his daughters complete control over these nations. Holy shit. I mean, that's brilliant. Kind of badass. That is brilliant. <laughs> so, Genghis Khan. All right. Salute to you. Wow. Uh, I got to find my. There it is. Final thoughts. I lost the button there for a minute. I saw that. And you were like, I was like, uh, <laughs> I got too many green ones. At this point. <laughs> All right. So I finished my wild turkey. I did not pour it a second, second amount, but I did finish it. And I threw out, uh, I got snippets of the flavors throughout, but the one thing for me overall was the, uh, burning sensation, the spice. Um, I know what I would, 
rate it and I know how I would like to drink it. If I if I were gonna go excuse me, if I were gonna go into the cabinet and pull this out, I know what purpose it would serve for me. But I'm eager to hear what you say first, unless you would like me to go first since you've been presenting. Uh so I have been drinking it and I really didn't like it at first, but the more I've drank it, the more I've started to like it. And I don't know if that's because of like, I'm conditioning myself because I'm talking about octopuses. So now everything surrounding octopuses is amazing. So that means this whiskey has to be amazing. Um, or if the whiskey really is just getting better. Um, Wild Turkey 101 probably isn't something I'd want to drink straight. But I think it has a really good flavor profile for a whiskey sour. I'd probably make okay. a whiskey sour. All right. Um, so I would, I'm, I'm on the same, I, I'm, I'm actually opposite of you. I liked it at first, but the longer I drank it, the more it was just burn for me and less flavor. Um, so with that being said, I am of similar opinion. Uh, I would definitely mix this. Um, I, the last bit was just enough. Uh, the last taste I had of it was enough to, for me to do like a baby shot. So I did that and it's something that I would shoot as well. Um, but I wouldn't pull this out just to sip on it. Um, if I had to go ahead and give this one a rating with all that in mind, um, I would say. I'm going to go with a three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was not overwhelmed by any means. Like I said, it's when I, when I want a whiskey, I, it's something I want to sip on. I don't want to shoot whiskey. I don't want, I don't, I don't mind a, a whiskey sour, um, you know, a couple mixed drinks here and there, but usually I want to sip on a whiskey. Yeah. And this is just, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, I think I'm probably in agreements with you. I might like it a little bit more, but I'll give my rating at the end of this. Um, the burn is definitely something that hangs around. Like, that entire time I've been presenting, like, my lips have still been a little bit numb, which might be why I think I, in my head, I sound like I have a little bit of a lisp. And I think it's because of the whiskey. Again, that could be something that's just in my head, but. I think it is. I don't hear a lisp. Oh, well, in my head, I have a lisp and I'm blanging, blang, blanging the whiskey for it. Blanging the whiskey. <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, as far as ratings go, I mean, I love my mom so much and I'm so disappointed that I'm going to have to give her favorite whiskey a bad review. Just like with friend John. When we did his Maker's Mark 46, I wanted to love it because he loved it. But I just can't. I tried. Um, I'll definitely make mixed drinks out of it. Yep. Um, whiskey sours, probably even do like a whiskey and Coke. But it's not something I want to drink straight. Um, I would be interested to try it with the... Ice ball? With ice ball as well yeah, as... make it a little less Yeah, with, with stones. Um, so maybe that'll be one we revisit. I, I would like to revisit a few early ones we did. I, 
I feel like uh, I have gotten my sea legs, so my whiskey legs, so to speak. Um, so I would like to go back and revisit some of the ones. Like I, I was going through on the website, I put our ratings uh, for everything we've tried. And just going back and looking through a couple of them, I, I just want to try them again now that I've gotten a little more experience with this. And I feel like I might have rated a couple low early on that I, I might not rate them as low or, you know, maybe yeah. I would. But that's why I texted asking about a certain whiskey this, this oh, week. Yeah, I drank but, it all. Yeah, no, I, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, so my actual number rating... I'm going to give this one a four. It's a four. four. Four out of ten for me. I I debated three and a half versus four. And it just, it, it's a mixer for me. Yeah. So. It's a mixer. Well, I reckon on that note, we're sitting here at about an hour and a half, so. All right. I talked a lot about octopuses. You today, did. That was, that was great. <laughs> I'm, I'm one. What's the name of that Netflix? Special? My Octopus Teacher. Is it? Is it uh, like, what's the format of it? Is it more like a documentary, like a, a Planet Earth style? No. Or, no. So this is one man um, that every single day for over a year, he tracked and filmed the same octopus in the reef kelp forest right outside his house. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and he basically, he, spoiler alert, becomes her friend. Um, and it's fascinating to watch her go from he first meets her and she's like really timid and scared of him to by the end of the documentary she's like hugging him and it's when you say she you mean the octopus 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 yes the octopus is a she (laughs) (laughs) the octopus is a she um the documentary maker is a man okay um just based off the name the first time I was kind of thinking it was going to be like a more of a uh, it, it, not that no it's uh, more of yeah. like a philosophy type okay like she taught me to be a better man okay. my octopus teacher okay I get you I'm going to definitely have to check that one out it's good I think I'm going to watch it again impressive all right well um, guys feel free to send us an email Oh, I, I'm sorry. I had one other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick. Ruh-roh. It came to me in the middle of the show. We're supposed to keep these at yeah, a certain length. about an hour and a half. We're sitting at an hour and 30 right now. Right. It'll be all right. all right. So, friend Shelby, coming in clutch. She got to me that penis is Latin, which means that it would be penises or peni. I don't remember. If it's Latin, it would be peni. Peni. There you go, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> Which means I'm going to have to research and read about how Latin turns things plural. There um, we go. Because it's not octopi, it's octopuses. And it's not penises, it's peni. <laughs> the hard-hitting discoveries of Whiskey and Wonder. And on that note, y'all have a great week. Thank you, guys. Don't drink and drive. Cheers.